Hello, and welcome to Your Daily Homily, a ministry of St. Philip the Apostle Parish in Pasadena, California. For more information on today's readings and homilist, please view the show notes below. And now, Your Daily Homily. As we begin this meditation, we want to renew or place ourselves in the presence of God, renew our faith, our hope, and our love. Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you created the universe. I believe that you created me. I believe that everything that you have made is good. And so I too, in so far that you made me, I am good. And I thank you for creating me. I thank you for holding me in the palm of your hand. I thank you for sustaining me in every moment of my life. I know that if you were to forgive me for an instant, I would cease to exist. But you don't cease to look, you don't cease to keep me in existence. You don't cease to hold me in the palm of your hand. Lord, I trust in you. I hope in you. I want to get to heaven, Lord. I want to be with you happy forever. I want to grow in my trust and my confidence in you. So often, my difficulties, my problems, myself, I make myself an obstacle to my love for you, but I want to trust in you more. And I want to overcome my doubts. I want to overcome my despair. I want to overcome my brokenness so that I can enjoy your presence in my soul. Lord, I love you. I love you with all of my heart. I don't love you enough. I don't love you as I should. But each day I ask you for the grace to love you a little more. And we want to place this meditation especially in Mary's hands, confident in Mary, knowing that she was the perfect mother to our Lord, and she's the perfect model and example for each one of us to meditate. The meditation that I'd like to... Uh, have us all do tonight is actually comes at the end of the handouts, the last meditation, meditation six, the value of a soul. Now, really, I feel like the, the content for all of the meditations this week are very beautiful, different uh, appearances of the resurrected Jesus, the risen Jesus, and then we have Pentecost as well the birthday of the church when the disciples, the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit and go out and preach. But I feel like this meditation on the value of a soul can be something that's helpful for us because often it's something that we forget to keep in mind. It's something that we don't always have so present. But I think they can serve as a great motivator in our own living out of our faith. And so the fruit that we ask of our Lord during this meditation is a deep sense of mission and appreciation for the value of a soul. You know, what is a soul worth? Well, whenever we wonder how much a soul is worth, we just have to look at the crucifix and realize that a soul is worth so much that Jesus decided to die to save that very soul. And sometimes we can be really frustrated with people and we can write people off and we can get angry and upset. And it's always good to remember this is somebody whom God loves with an infinite love. Then our petition where we're asking our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, 
Help me to always feel the pressing urgency to preach your word to others. As a composition of plays, a passage from the gospel, we could take one verse from John 15, 13. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, and it's interesting because Christ says these words at the Last Supper. The, the gospel of John, it's very, uh, very heavy on the last week of the life of Jesus. And then even um, four or five chapters are dedicated to the Last Supper. So we really get a lot of that Last Supper discourse, discourse recorded in John. And, and here, these words of Jesus, you know, they're not, it's not propaganda. It's not something just to say, you know, that he's afraid of the disciples fighting, so he is encouraging them to be charitable with one another. No, he's giving an ideal that he is about to live out in his own flesh in just a few hours. And it wasn't easy for Jesus to die. It wasn't easy for Jesus to give up his life. It wasn't easy for Jesus to pay the price of our sins. We see the intensity of his suffering in the agony at Gethsemane. There is no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. But at the same time, Jesus knew that everything that he was doing was for our salvation. And one of the other things he says at that, that uh, Last Supper, I call you friends. And those are words that we can hear echoing down through the centuries and words that are directed in a very special way towards each, each one of us. And so he says, there is no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And he says to us as well, I lay down my life for yours. And so here we see the value of a soul. And this is something that we should make experiential in our own lives. Something that we should uh, make sure has practical consequences in the way that we live out each day. For the first six years of my priesthood, during Holy Week, I would take a group of young men to the mountains of El Salvador to Holy Week missions. And we would go out door to door in order to invite people to come to Mass and the various celebrations during Holy Week. And the two towns that we were visiting, you know, they, they had their little churches, but the, the parish was, you know, quite extensive. And there was one priest, and he was pastor, and he had eight or nine different churches, different towns. And so he had obviously, he stayed in the principal town of the area, and then he would go around and celebrate Mass at different chapels throughout the month. And so most of these, the little towns, they would have Mass maybe once a month. And so they had never had the experience of Holy Week, you know, with a priest in town. And so my, my, my week was spent mostly hearing confessions, visiting the sick, celebrating the different liturgical uh, celebrations. But then it was always great to, as well to hear from the young men and to hear of their experiences going out door to door. And also, you know, very humble circumstances, many of these people with, you know, dirt floors. Um, and yet there was always so much generosity and so much appreciation that we were giving up our vacation you know, because in, in a, lot of, a lot of places, Holy Week is, is kind of a spring break. And that was the case for these young men. You know, if they hadn't been there, they would have been at the beach or traveling or, or doing something, you know, probably a little more attractive in the eyes of the world. 
and yet they were there, spreading the gospel, knocking on these doors. And they, they had this you know, special uh, kind of draw, the story of the last house. You know, because they would go out, you know, we would get up, have our morning prayers, our meditation, um, you know, getting ready, getting ready to go out to the mission. And then they would spend the morning, you know, visiting houses. And, and normally, you know, some of the, the young people from the actual church, they would accompany so that they could point out, you know, you know, this is the house, you know, this house is Catholic. So they would go and they would be inviting. But then there was always, you know, you're, you're walking, the whole time and so every step that you're taking is a step further away from our base camp you know which we're staying in the local school and so every step was a step away from base camp and a step further from lunch as well you know in a very practical way of looking at things and and so there would always you know they would and we'd have the times when they were supposed to come back but there would always be, you know, they would always get to the kind of that critical moment of, okay, do we turn back now or do we visit one last house? And so many of the stories and so many of the, the more um, touching moments came precisely in those moments of generosity. When they were tired, you know, under, under the sun all morning, walking up hills, down hills, you know, narrow paths, finding these lost houses. Um, and, and we were actually very close to the border with Honduras, with Honduras. So there would always be some that would come back and they'd say, oh, Father, we walked to Honduras today. I'm like, well, we're doing missions in El Salvador, so next time stay in the country, you know? But, uh, but that too, in, in, in the last house. And Father, we met this woman, and you know she was so sick. Thing is that, and then always, it was always Father, you need to come to the same place. It's like, well, I don't know if that's such a good idea, but but then we would go as well, you know, to bring the sacraments to help these people come back to Christ. That you know, for so many of them, it's been so long since the last time they'd been to the church. And the last visit always presented special sacrifices, but it was always a great way as well to grow in their appreciation of the value of a soul. And to know that even there, you really did feel like you were at the end of the earth. But to realize that even there, Christ's grace, Christ's gospel, Christ's mercy wanted to arrive. I was very impressed a few years ago by the movie Hacksaw Ridge. It's a little gruesome for my tastes. So it's not necessarily the most enjoyable movie for me. But the example of the young man, that, young man that's portrayed there is, is very inspiring, Desmond Doss. You know, this, this gentleman that during the, the war, he was a pacifist, you know, because of his religion, but he did want to go and serve. And so he asked to go as a medic. And there in one of the most gruesome, dangerous battles, he kept running back and forth in order to save men uh, from dying, you know, the, the, those that had been wounded. And afterwards, you know, because he was a pacifist, and so for uh, a lot of the soldiers, they had, they had thought of him as a coward, you know, somebody who wasn't willing to fight, somebody who really wasn't worth his salt. And yet during that battle, without lifting a gun, without firing a shot, he showed everybody that he was as courageous as any of them. And indeed, it was his heroics 
that saved 75 other soldiers that night. And that, you know, for the, the material well-being for somebody to save somebody's life, how much more should we be willing to sacrifice ourselves to save somebody's soul? You know, and I think that it's important for us to value our own soul, but also to value the soul of others. And we live in a world that's so individualistic. You know, get yours and get out. You know, where we can be very selfish. We live in a tremendously selfish society. A tremendously selfish age. And yet Christ is precisely the man who came to die, not for himself, but for others. And we are called as well to lay down our lives for our friends, to go beyond our comfort zone, to get out of our comfort zone, to sacrifice ourselves for the good of others, and to really, you know, to show that concern and to live out that concern for the salvation of others. You know, last week during Holy Week, I spent a lot of time in confessional, a few different places, and it was amazing to see how many people coming back to the sacraments. Father, it's been 40 years. It's been 25 years. It's been, you know, so long. What brought you here today? I don't know. I just felt like I had to come back. And for each one of us, we, we have that draw. And how often will we not be the one who helps somebody else to come back? But that's only going to happen if we have a true love for souls. Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Now this love for souls leads us as well to recognize the true value of those who are around us. You know, so often we can go through life and you know, see others as obstacles to my happiness. And we can see others as people who are you know, less worthy than we are ourselves. But if we look at others with the eyes of Christ, it changes everything. Even those that hurt us, even those that offend us, what would Christ do? Well, we know what he did do. He died on the cross for this person. For this person who maybe has hurt me. For this person who's making my day harder. You know, sometimes some, we have to think, okay, what am I doing that makes others' lives harder? And stop doing it! But we are called to have a true love for souls and to be aware of that and to see that new creation that is all around us. Each time we are able to bring someone to love Christ, we're able to help somebody become this new creation, this is a tremendous gift for the church, for humanity, for this person himself. And it always implies personal sacrifice, but it's always tremendously worth it. How often are we tired? How often are we cranky? How often do we just say, I don't want to do anymore? But when we dig down a little bit deeper and we're a little more generous, how often are we able to help somebody else grow closer to Christ? We can look to the mystery of Pentecost as well, which one of the meditations in the packet 
speak specifically about Pentecost, but we can think about Pentecost today in, uh, you know, under the, the aspect of looking for souls. You know, all, one of the things that's always amazing to me is how the resurrection doesn't seem to have been enough for the apostles. Because Christ rose from the dead, and they're with him. They're kind of, you know, seeing what's going on. But even there, you have the, the, the scene in John 21 where they've gone fishing. You know, Peter says, I'm going fishing. They all say, well, we'll go, we'll go with you. And then who do they find on the shore? Jesus. And he doesn't say, keep fishing. He says, you know, okay, you have some other things you have to do now. And then, you know, you would think that that would have, you know, had them fully awake, fully aware, but even that wasn't enough. So that when Jesus ascends into heaven and they're alone in Jerusalem, they hide in the upper room. So even that, you know, even, you know, those extra days with them as the risen Jesus, they'd seen him die, they'd seen him risen from the dead, even that wasn't enough to encourage them. But then Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the tongues of fire over the heads of each one of them, and then nothing can stop them. And these men that were so weak and so broken and so, so, so often went the wrong way, like the disciples at Emmaus, all of a sudden they were preaching in foreign lands, foreign tongues, nothing could stop them. You know, St. Paul, when he describes his sufferings, how many different things did he not go through? And all to preach the gospel, and why? To save souls. And so this is something we have to think of as well. And as, as we're preparing in this whole time of Easter, of preparation for Pentecost, you know, we can ask the Holy Spirit to come down upon us and, and to really fill us with that zeal, with that desire to save others. We're not called to get to heaven alone. We're called to come before our Lord and hopefully bring many people whom we have helped along that path as well. People that we have helped to convince of the deep and great love of Christ. What are the attitudes of an apostle? You know, one, because we're all called to do this as well. Through our baptism, we're called to two things. To be holy, that's a commitment that we get through baptism. You know, it's not, okay, be baptized, come back to get married, and have a Catholic funeral. You know, these aren't the three moments of interaction with the faith in our lives, right? But as soon as we're baptized, we have a commitment to be holy, to be one with Christ, and to spend the rest of our lives seeking to be one with him. And it transforms our lives. It makes everything different, right? So we're called to be holy, and we're called to spread the gospel to others through our baptism. This isn't, you know, some other day we make a special consecration. Through our very, bap through our very baptism, we are called to be apostles. Apostle means the one who is sent. And we are sent by Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit in order to evangelize. And we could look at some of the basic attitudes of an apostle. An apostle is somebody who has a relationship with God and gives this relationship with priority. You know, and so it's something to ask ourselves. Do I really give my relationship with God the priority in my life? Am I doing my best to put him at the center of my life, the center of my decisions. Does Jesus inform 
the decisions I make in my life. And, you know, can I see that? And then sometimes a good question is, can others see that? An apostle is somebody who is outward focused. You know, it's not just that I'm worried about myself, my own problems, even my own salvation. Obviously, we have to be concerned about our own salvation, but that can't be my only focus. What am I doing to spread the gospel? How am I looking outwards? You know, even a parish community like this. If the parish community only focuses on itself, it's dead. We have to be going out. We have to be spreading the gospel. And what Pope Francis says, you know, bring the gospel out to the marginalized, to the edges of society, you know, which can be the poor. It can be those that are suffering. It can be those who don't have faith. It can be the secular. It can be students who have lost their faith, who aren't practicing. You know, we're right next to a college and a block away from another university. What are we doing to bring these people into the love of Christ? An apostle is somebody who has an attitude of total self-giving. You know, and this is the opposite of selfishness. So it's the opposite of what our world is inviting us to. Because the world really wants us to think only of ourselves, to be focused on ourselves and to forget about others, what others need. But an apostle is one who is totally giving of himself. An apostle is somebody who is contemplative and evangelizing. You know, we, we meditate on the mysteries of God, the mysteries of the life of Christ, but then we also do something. You know, when we pray the Our Father, and we hear those words like, Cut kingdom come, we roll up our sleeves. You know, we get ready for work. We're not just sitting around passive. We want to do things so that others receive the gospel. An apostle is somebody with clear lines of action. You know, and here's something that I think distinguishes as, as well. We have to be strategic. We have to do things well. We can't just, oh, well, hopefully, that sounds good. No, let's do something serious. Let's do something that makes an impact. Let's do something that really is going to bring people to a deeper relationship with Christ. It's going to reveal to them the love of the heart of Christ. And all together, as apostles, we're building up the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Hopefully this is something that can penetrate our hearts and give us motivation for everything that we're doing. There's still a, a, you know, a few more thoughts there in the handout, but I'd like to give us some time for our own personal reflection, for our own personal prayer, and to hear the words of Christ. There's no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this is what he did for us, and this is what we are called to do for others, to live a true desire for the salvation of souls, to realize the value of a soul, and to live our lives accordingly. Thank you for joining us at Your Daily Homily. For information on St. Philip the Apostle Parish, or to support this ministry, please click on the links provided. Until our next time together, be safe and God bless.